On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk to Troy Oldham, race director for the Cash Grand Fondo. We discuss outdoor recreation, competitive cycling, and the details of executing a great event. All right, welcome in. This is Nate with Chase Hi. doing the Highlander Podcast with our guest, Troy Oldham. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for being here. Troy is the race director for the Cash Grand Fondo, amongst other things. But we're going to talk bike racing today. Awesome. Yeah, how you feeling after after this last weekend? Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's funny as I keep doing this each year. The recovery takes a little bit longer. It's uh, it's not just a chocolate shake and a good night's sleep anymore. It's uh, I need a couple of days of recuperation and a good <laughs> massage and. But uh, it, it was awesome. We had an incredible event um, this last uh, Saturday, like 1,500 riders from 22 states and seven countries, and it was just it was just great. The weather cooperated, and um, you know it's like any big event. 95% of it was perfect. It's the 5%. We're you know you're just trying to figure out well how does we get rid of that, but um, it was great. A lot of good vibes, and people love this. Love coming here to to ride. So what, what's the origin of the race? How did it start? I, I, a lot of people who are already in the bike community know the history, but can you just give us a little background on, on how it started? What was the motivation for the race? Um, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So at the time, I was one of the administration um, team at Logan Regional Hospital. I was over community outreach, marketing, but also uh, fundraising. And um, we were trying to find an event or something we could do to connect us with a community that would celebrate healthy lifestyles, um, that would be a potential for a, a fundraiser. And, you know, the Logan Regional Hospital is so big, they work with a lot of other charity groups like, you know, Common Ground, they have adaptive stuff. Well, those are their patients too, and, and um, Family Place and others that, that do have these connections, and they support a lot of them. So we thought, let's do something that we can uh, connect connect with the community, let it be something if people want to follow more healthy lifestyles, they can use it to set goals. And um, I pulled a committee together of just some great cyclists in the valley, and I tried to break it up, men, women, older, younger, you know, mountain bikers, racers, recreationals. And I just had this great advisory committee. We're all sitting around trying to figure out what venue we would do. And we thought, well, maybe we'll go from Logan to Idaho Falls and do like a Lodija kind of thing or go down to St. George and do a big, you know, point to point race. And um, and uh, one of the committee members says, have you ever heard of a Grand Fondo? And we none of us had. We didn't even know what that was. And she went on and to explain it. The, the, the idea of a Grand Fondo is is you take a race course and in Europe, they're all so filled up that if you're not a racer, you don't get to ride. Right. So so this kind of came out of that necessity. So you take a race course, you close it off. You create an incredible start and finish line, and then you send your racers. And then once the racers are gone, you let recreational riders come on and participate in the event. The cool part about that is that then you have support stations where people can stop and have fun, eat as much as they want, and then get back on the bike and go to the next one. The pros won't even touch those. And so, but then they come in, they get to stand on a podium, they get medals, they get this cool finish, like they just finished a major race. And it's such a cool venue and it's caught on like crazy. Um, and from that, like beginnings to where we were to where we are now, uh, we just got ranked the number six grand fondo in North America. So that includes Canada and, and the U S and, um, partly it's cause we were first in, I mean, we, we, we have an established route as a grand fondo in the U S but, um, 
that that's kind of how it started. And then we had a lot of bike clubs that would come in, a lot of first time riders. Um, we've we've kind of played here and there with having like the state masters championships there and kind of tying different races into it. But purely, this ride is about people that want to come out and just have a great time, ride in our you know beautiful community and and um, and 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 so far, Logan and Cache Valley has never really. Um, disappointed uh, just each year just gets better and better what what's the breakdown of of competitive riders to people who are just just riding for fun or just getting into it what's that breakdown look like? yeah i mean that's a great question and and that's what we're trying to figure out this year because this year we um we were selected as one of 21 countries to be a a, a uci grand fonda world uh qualifier so um, UCI is the biggest sanctioning body in all of cycling. They do the Tour of Utah and the Tour de France and Perry de Roubaix. Um, and, um, and so we have a lot more racers that have come this year because they're trying to qualify to go to the World Championships. And 25% of our riders in, in 16 age categories will all get an invite. And that's what we're crunching on today is like making sure that we get the right ones into that because that's a big deal, especially we had a guy come from Perth, Australia because he didn't quite make it in the tour of Brisbane and he's determined to go to Poland for the world championships this year. And so we're watching him really closely and like, like, dude, you got to get in. I mean, you know, but he's a super strong racer. He will, there's no question. We've been looking at the times, but, um, so, so what, what, where we are right now, we think there it's about 30% real serious racers, which isn't really a big number for a race. Um, but kind of the, the lifeblood of the event is that 70 mile rider or, and we have a 35, a 50, a 70 and 105 mile courses this year, the race was only on the 105. I mean, we timed everybody so they can look and we threw, pri- we threw prizes at the 35, 50 and 70 men and women. But, um, the majority of the riders are here to do their first century or to, they did the 50 last year and now they want to do the 70. Or they did the 70 last year and they got hurt. They're going to do the 35, but they still come back and do it. Um, so it's that, that's about how it breaks down. But I think that no, I know that number is going to grow. And the cool thing about that number growing is that um, they also are the ones that come into the valley for four to five days. They want to get acclimated. They want to ride the course. They want to get familiar. Um, and, but but the profile of them is they'll stay for 10, 10 days to two weeks in the region. So. They'll go to Jackson. They'll go to Moab. They'll go to the Mighty Five. They'll visit Salt Lake. They'll they'll do those kind of, because they're on holiday, and um, so that's a really good profile. And our are we we looked and within the twenty one races, we're actually the the most the best value. So they see our event. And they're like, yeah, we're going. You know, Utah is a great place to go. The, the race is a highly recommended race, and it's a good value. So. Um, that's where we hope the growth will come from. Those are those, those higher end competitive riders. You know, how many people are coming from, from out of Valley versus in the Valley? Is it the majority are coming from out of town? Yeah. So that's the other cool stat, right? And, and we have, we have this nice heat map that we follow all the time. And, um, you know, it's, it's hot in, uh, in Cache Valley, but it's really hot along the Wasatch front. So we think it's about 60, 40, 60 outside, 40, 40 inside, but that, that number's changing a little bit as well. Um, and it used to be almost a 50-50 split, men and women, but the men are actually picking up more. I think that's because more of the race and as the numbers grow, but um, it's, it's a good spread. And usually it's Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, 
maybe Arizona, but this year it's Dothro, California, Washington, Oregon, New Mexico. We had a lot of writer, writers out of New Mexico and Texas this year that we had never even, we didn't even know how they found out about us other than through through the um, the UCI group that did some promotion and marketing for us. What's like your extremes in participation? Like what's your youngest, what's your oh, oldest? Oh, yeah, so that, so, so that I do know because we, we, every year we give a youngest rider prize and the oldest rider prize. And our youngest rider was 12 this year. Wow. And that's about, the, it's usually between 12 and 13. The oldest, um, we're still in a little debate about that, but um, 79 years old. Um, we had a 60-year-older lay down 100 and 105 miles in like four hours and 30 minutes. So, so think about that, and that included the mountain pass that you're coming out of Malad. So they were averaging 25, 26 miles an hour awesome. with a climb. So it, it's there's some these are some pretty impressive athletes. This guy walked up to me and. He says, I think I won your 70 category. And I go, you don't look 70. And he, he flexes for him. He's got these popping biceps on him. And I'm like, dude, you're not 70. He goes, I'm 74. Wow. And he, he had the body of like a really highly tuned 19-year-old. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. These, 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 these folks are really serious about it. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. But you don't have to be, right? Like you can. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's the beauty of the Grand Fondo, right? Is, um, I mean, we, we had a race a couple years ago and there was a guy in the state that's just notorious for even if everything goes perfect he's the first guy to complain because that kind of bumps him up the podium a little bit right like if he complains finally the race director says, okay i'll give you a first now go away you know i won't do that but he was going off and demanding his money back because he missed a turn that everyone else made but he missed and and um and i'm listening to him and you know he's yelling and i said hold hold on hold on let's let's pull aside because there's a lot going on here there's people coming across the finish line and no lie this guy rolls across the finish line 300 plus pounds on a brand new custom made titanium bike he'd showed it to me before like troy look at my bike i had to have it special made cuz i'm so heavy and he's bawling i mean just the emotion was just amazing and then his wife steps into the into the course and she's she's big too and she's crying and I just sort of pushed the racer aside and said, that's why we're doing this. This is, that's the kind of cool story that you want to be able to share. And every year we see those people. We had a guy last year that had a heart attack on our, on our course and we work with the Bridgerland amateur radio group and they're, those guys know what they're doing and they're really into their radios. Like they, you know, people go, God, those guys are kind of weird. No, no, they're heroes because they're out there doing their job. And this guy rolls by and sees this guy on the side of the road and having problems. And he had EMS experience too. And so he looked at him, he says, I think you're having a heart issue and, you know, but let's ask some questions. And, and he said, the third question I'm gonna ask you is can I put you in my car and take you to the hospital? And the guy said, yes, to number three, let's go. And they got him in. Um, one of our riders is an interventional cardiologist at the hospital and he came in about the same time I'm getting the relayed information. And just, you know, with Logan Regional Hospitals, our medical provider just boom, boom, boom. And I think they had a STEMI in him within like two to three hours, saved his life. He came back this year and won our most inspire, inspiring athlete. Awesome. Stood on the stood on the podium, bawling his eyes out. His whole family was there, his wife, his kids, his grandkids, and 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 those are pretty cool moving stories. And you can just see the just the energy and emotion that's in it. And um, and every year we have something like that come up. And um, so when you know you hadn't slept for for fifty six hours, which is kind of where I was at that point, it just kind of jack you up, and you just kind of keep going. So. 
Can you take us a little bit through the course? And yeah. there's a few different options you mentioned. There's a few different um, lengths of, of the ride that you can do all the way up to the century ride. Yeah. What does that course look like? I, I wrote a little bit of it, not day of, but it's a beautiful course. Oh, it Riding is. those farm roads if you've yeah. never been out that way. Um, well, and that's, that and that's like? what our UCI delegate says is, you know, you have such a unique place here, and it's because of Lake, ancient Lake Bonneville, right? You got super, super flat land that was the, the bottom of the lake, and then any one of 10 different places you can shoot somebody up a can canyon and do a, a hill climb and and so th we utilize the flat and the open the open areas so the 35 50 and 70 we keep them on this side of of the of the the mountains to the west the 105 we send up over to riverside up to malad up through western canyon and back into the valley and there's real purpose in the way we've done that we have the 35 50 and 75 are like just just expanding loops right what we're trying to do is not not overwhelm any one road or any one town or any one area. So, for instance, my 70 riders, they go through Lewiston. And it's 300 people over the course of two and a half, three hours. It's super manageable. It doesn't close anything down. Um, same thing with my 35s. They go out to Newton, grab food, and go right back. 50s go Newton, jump up to Clarkston, go back around Little Mountain. that's there by Trent, come back into Trenton. By then, the 35s are all cleared out and back home. Then they go. And then the 70s come back from Lewiston and hit Newton again. Those 50s are gone. Then the 70s go home. And then the 100s come back around. And by that time, we got them on a different course anyway. And they, it, so there's, there's kind of a purpose in doing that. So it doesn't overwhelm the community at any one time. And, and um, I think that's just something that people don't understand is because they're like, you have 1,500 riders coming into our valley. Yeah, but they're not all on one road. And when they are, they have pilot cars, and it's 6 or 30 in the morning. We get them safely out of the city, turn them loose. And that's the thing they always come back with. Man, it was so beautiful. And, and something, too, that's unique about us is we cool down at night in the summertime. So it can be 95 degrees at 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but you start a race at 65, maybe sometimes 55, and it's crisp and it's nice. Um, that's, that's something a lot of people south don't ever get to experience. And I think that's why we pull a lot out of St. George and Albuquerque, New Mexico, Phoenix, Arizona, even California, is they'll come up here and this is so nice to ride when it's cool. Since we got you here, yeah. can you pull back the curtain a little bit on what is the role of a race director? What are the things you wouldn't know a race director does? What Give us the little details. The, like all the, the stuff things, I had no idea yeah, to do when I first exactly, started this and yeah. said, hey, let's do some bike races. Because a lot of people <laughs> look and they see the riders go by and yeah. it's in a second, they're gone. Yeah. And... I don't think people realize how much goes into that moment that the riders yeah. whiz by you and they're gone. Well, I think I think the big thing is, is is yeah, it's one day, but but the planning for this starts pretty much in November, and you know we just just have a nice little spreadsheet that's about eighty pages long that it has tabs everywhere, but but just the, the logistics are pretty big. You have to like we have forty three sponsors, and each of those sponsors have sort of their own unique way of contributing. Um, for instance, Lee's Marketplace. They will donate X number of dollars worth of food. We match it, um, and that becomes our support station goodies. And the cool thing is it's real food, too. You know, it's not just, not just power bars. And we have those, too, but, but it's real food. Um, Great Harvest, same thing. You know, so they'll make some cool stuff. Al Sporting Goods that does uh, special, um, you know, cycling prizes, and then they do um, 
they do our packet pickup. So, so it's like coordinating all of that, making sure everybody's still on board. You know, um, here's what we're going to do. Um, like Icon Health and Fitness, they 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 sponsor our writer gift every year. And this year we had some awesome socks that that um, you know we put their logo on. But but uh, so like getting all that logistical stuff taken care of. Um, the the way we structure it now is our sponsorships sort of cover our initial costs, right? And we figure that if we can, if we're going to have to grow, we're going to have to bring on some new sponsors. We did that this year with uh, the Utah Sports Commission which is just a great sponsor for us because their purpose is to help promote outdoor activities in the state of Utah and, um, and really get people excited about, you know, seeing all that Utah has to offer. And they just didn't have a lot going on up here in, in Cache Valley. So they've been so good to work with. But part of it is getting all that stuff done, like in the, in the, in the earlier part. Um, the other piece is getting the course um, approved and certified and permitted. Um, and that, quite frankly, is a nightmare. Um, and it starts with Utah every single community you go through logan city um cash county um and you know there's a person in each of those that we interact with and all different levels of commitment interest and desire to help you get things done and um but but it's critical to have it have it done right too um and then there's also the the sanctioning um organization both uci for our event but also usa cycling so we purchase a, a, an insurance policy on every rider, and we also purchase an insurance policy on every community we go through and on the sponsors because in case something happens, you know, you've got to have those things covered. And so, so there's that. You have to apply for those. Um, and then it's uh, just logistics of volunteers and, and what do we do day of and what do we – and then marketing. The marketing is just crazy because um, most of these people want to sign up for the event early in the year. Others want to wait right till the very like night before to see who's in their category, and then they come in and register. So it's not like you can shut registration down. We we signed over a hundred people after our online registration was shut down on Friday at noon until we rode the next morning. You know, and that's one of guy was on a plane from California just decided that morning he was going to fly up. You know, he shows up and I can't if if I'm not going to have registration open. You know, that's that's pretty pretty rough for him but anyway so so the um those are the bigger things um this has kind of become a family thing for me um my kids all get involved my wife handles our registration they're sort of the reluctant race director kids but but they have a great time with it um i also use it for a fundraiser as well so common ground and hope for cash valley the family place um uh, I'm lacrosse coach at Green Canyon, so Green Canyon lacrosse. I give all of those guys like opportunities to be volunteers in return for uh, donations. The Cache Valley mountain bike team were just awesome this last year. They did a bike valet, with, which they were able to use for their own fundraiser. Mm. And then um, they helped us in one of the support stations and, um, you know, uh, and Common Ground has always been a big, big supporter of ours. And so they help us in support stations. And then we try to raise money for them, and then we match dollar for dollar any donation that comes in. So, um, so we're still—I mean, it's a for-profit kind of a thing for us, but we we still try to keep it as a as a um, as a fundraiser. So, so managing all of that and 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 those logistics, it it takes a year to put on an event like this. So, and then day of is just crazy. This was going to be the year, the first year that I would be in bed by midnight before the event. And um, I woke up, I mean, I rode back into the valley with the sun, frantically trying to get the start line to get 
the arch put up and some things like that. I, in other words, I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep this year either. So they're just things that come up, you know, and you want to make sure the course is set and clear and it's easily marked. And we, we put 130 signs out on the course, um, and they have to be removable signs. They have to go up, stay up, and then come off the course. And we've had issues in the past where somebody thinks it's funny to knock one over or steal one or throw, you know. And so, you know, this year we actually put game cameras out. And, um, and uh, just to see if anybody was going to mess with the signs. And nobody did, except for we had one, one intersection they did. But we didn't have game, sign, game cameras on that one. So, but, um, yeah, so those are. And, and, um, and, then, and then just welcoming the riders. Um, one of my favorite things to do at the event, and I didn't get to do it as much this year because we had some issues with the way our, our race was timed and some things that happened, but I love to just be there at the finish line and put medals over you know, every rider's necks, thank them for being there, um, pointing out where the food is and stuff like that. And, um, but that's the fun part of the day of. It's all the work in advance that really um, my project management skills come yeah, back. Yeah, pretty good. I might be on the spot here, but let's just talk numbers. So okay. you got about 1,500 mm-hmm. riders coming in. Yep. They got to find places to stay, hotels, stuff like that. Um, from about 23 states, you said. Yeah. Seven countries. And then there's just you and a group of about how many volunteers? And um, about 120 this year, about okay. 120 volunteers total. I mean, I have everything from scout groups doing Eagle projects to um, the amazing people over in Malad. The hot, it, it's the local hospital. They they have their volunteer crew come out and do a support station awesome. in Malad. And you know, you don't think that's a big deal, but the the riders come through in a town they've never been um, for an organization that has no connection with them. And these guys are cutting bananas for them, and you know, giving them handing up water bottles and tell them good luck and have having a sprinkler over there if you can go stick your head in it if you want to so but um yeah awesome yeah, yeah. so it kind of takes a community to make it, it does. happen it does beyond just yeah multiples well and 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 so you know i said we raise money for the for those different charity groups well they also each of them take on a support station too so that they're there and they have presence um and without them gosh this would be so hard to do and the bridgerland you know amateur radio group i mean they won't take a fee. Um, they'll take a donation. So, but there's no way you can donate enough for what they do. I mean, they're they they're hauling people back and forth to the hospital, calling EMS. They're making sure they sweep the course. So, we have a policy that we'll never close. So until that last rider comes across, and sometimes that's 10, 11 hours. You know, and some races will close like six and a half hours. Boom, you're done. But um, not only do we usually not close it, but we always usually have some really nice prizes for them. Um, you know, big heavy Dutch ovens or something kind of funny like, okay, you finished. Now here's here's 40 pounds. You got to nice. figure out how to get back to your car with you know kind of thing. But um, yeah, so and it it does. It takes a lot a lot of people to to, to do it. I I you know we we had our finish line at Grand, at Green Canyon High School this year, and there's kind of a big long road in the bend where we had the food trucks and everything. And I'm kind of looking around at all the people running around with the mustard shirts on. That's what was our color for volunteers this year. And I'm like. Some of these people I don't even know, and they just they just popped in and said, "Hey, how can we help?" And we gave them a shirt and said, "Will you go fill water bottles?" And they did it, and they came for two or three hours. And um, Cash Chamber of Commerce was there handing out these frozen towels to the riders. I mean, they just 
totally made their day, you know, and they just kind of took it on themselves to do something cool and they did it. And so it's kind of, kind of nice. That's awesome. So that kind of leads me into the impact that an event like this and other events have on a community like, like cash Valley, um, both from a financial perspective, mm-hmm. there's significant impacts for yep. the community as well as kind of a cultural yeah. impact. Can you speak to both of those? Maybe first the financial component and yeah. what do you what's what's that impact on the community? Well, and and you know it seems like this is always a thing with these economic development things. You wish you had all the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I do I do anecdotally, and I and also I think you know pretty real numbers. We sell our event the week it's here. All the hotels get booked. Because I know this, because about two weeks out, I start getting a lot of calls and emails like we can't find a place. And um, but it's not just hotels, because people think it's just hotels and restaurants. And in restaurants, it is without question. But you have your gas stations. Like somebody drives up from Salt Lake, they're not going home unless they fill up their gas and probably grab a drink and some other things like that. Grocery stores too. People will come up. They'll, they're very particular about their food, so they'll go to a grocery store and you know check that out. Bike shops. I mean, without question. Uh, 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 Jeff Bruce from Joyride said, wow, I've just had this cool experience with this guy. I walked in, and he just said, hey, my family's here, and I need a bike for him. I need a helmet for her. I need this. And just, he goes, people don't shop that way in, in, <laughs> in Cash Valley. Um, he says, uh, it's, and so he was blown away at, at just how that piece of it, plus all of the local people bringing their bikes in, getting them tuned, you know, getting a few extra things and things like that. So, so those are the big ones, the restaurants, the hotels, the bike shops, the gas stations, the grocery stores. But then you look across the board, like we saw people carrying Johnny O spud nuts, right? At the end of the event, even though we're giving them stuff and, um, we know that they stay at the campgrounds and they know that, you know, they, they'll go, um, up the Canyon and they'll come here. And in fact, there was a concert, I think that night, there was some people said, Hey, we're staying for the concert. And, um, uh, they a lot of them. We pushed them down to when they're done. Hey, go down and see the sidewalk sale and go go stroll through there. Um, we have a group that comes up every year the night before, the day before, and they actually go to whatever theaters going on um, down with the opera or the summer theater and things like that. So, so it's those kind of things that you know is happening, you know is going on, um, and uh, it'll be interesting because we moved the finish line this year just. Be, between combination of construction, but really because a tour of Utah is coming exactly one month later, and we got a permission for them to have the exact same finish line for our riders that the pros will have a year later, a month later, which is you know, it's kind of a geeky thing, but it's pretty cool. Um, but most of those riders will ride the almost identical course as the pros. So this is the year that they can say, hey, not only did I ride the course, but I finished in the exact same spot. But by moving that, we moved out of, out of downtown Logan. It'll be interesting what what Logan the Logan shops will say. Hey, we really did miss the presence, and yeah. and I, I think they will. And you know, it's but it kind of gives us a chance to kind of figure out well, where really are the spots of economic development? Culturally, was the other question you asked about is um, the Logan Race Club has sort of become the kind of the the really well known group out of this. It's, it's a group of two hundred plus riders who've been riding here forever, and um, they're almost impromptu ambassadors they just like we had a situation where we had some conflicts at a finish line and they were the ones that were there resolving it just stepping in and just you know hey this this happened and this didn't happen and they're 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 well respected because they can tell they're serious riders and things like that and um i have a, a group of on-course marshals from from u dot road respect which is a group of 
of in-course marshals that will that will come up and ride in an, an event, make sure people are being safe and obeying the rules and stuff. So we've never, and knock on wood, we've never had a complaint about our riders breaking any any rules. They they ride where they're supposed to. When it's single file, they're single file. When they they don't cross the yellow line, they they clean up after themselves. And we have very very little litter control at all. Um, and um, you know we send in. One of my biggest bills is for porta potties. You know, we have to send seventy-five porta potties across the across the valley to make sure that you know people are doing what they're doing where they're supposed to be doing and stuff. So, um, you know, there's there's a culture of kind of responsibility. There's a culture of people recognizing that they're kind of guests here and they're guests on the roads and they're guests in the communities. Um, and I just I don't know. I think a whole lot of respect. I had a guy this morning. Say hey, I left. I left a very high-end pair of sunglasses in the showers at the at Green Canyon. He says, "Is there any chance they were turned in?" I says, "No, um, but let me let me call around." Well, you know, they were at the front desk at Green Canyon High School. I mean, this could have been a three hundred dollar find for anybody, and instead they, you know, they marched around the corner and turned them in. And that's just, I mean, I think it says a lot about the community. It says a lot about the people here and. And um, and and we're that's kind of a brand that we're picking up because of just because of the the community of riders here. And that that kind of leads into my next question of what does an event like this do to continue to to contribute to Cache Valley being a bike community? I, it, one of the things I'm passionate about is helping bring to light what this community is and what it yeah. means to me and the opportunities that are here that people outside of Cache Valley might not know about. I think a lot of people outside the Valley maybe look in and say, well, that's a, it's an ag community that has a university and yeah, their football teams, you know, done a lot better now. And yeah, yeah. Th- that's kind of the extent of what people maybe know. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you see, um, this event doing to continue to the tradition of, of Lodajah yeah. and, and, you know, kind of just strengthening the bike community here. Well, you know, you asked about the origin of the event, too. One of the things that that group talked about was we need to make this a training ride for a Lodija rider. So we purposely we started with a 100 and a 50-mile event. The 100 was for those people that were training to do the whole Lodija. They needed a century with a hill that was challenging about middle July. If you're doing a relay, you needed to hit your 50-point by about mid-July. So, so this event also does kind of tie into that that whole piece with with Lodija pretty well but i think um you know for for the um one of the things that does worry me too is that there are other big events in the valley um and they may not their riders may not always respect the rules and there's you know they, there may be too many and things like that and 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 we're starting to kind of see the backlash to that a little bit we've there's been a couple of communities who said you know we just really don't want to approve bike events and when we push them and say, what, what has our event, you know, has, have we ever violated? No, 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 you guys are great, but we just don't understand how it's going to impact our city. And we just, you know, so we're just going to say no. And, and so I think there, we've, we've got to find a way to, to, I guess, communicate a little bit more. Like there were some articles in the paper about, you know, hey, we should not allow bikers to be on our roads. And, you know, you're like, you, you can't not allow another vehicle to be on a road. I mean, it's, so that's a law violation, right? And as long as they're obeying the rules, then that you should, you know, you should be able to make that happen. And if that's the thing that worries me about, as people discover how good of a cycling venue this is, 
that um, unless both sides are open and respectful and and are willing to kind of understanding, I think there could be loggerheads that would that would be negative on both sides. Um, and uh, we're always st- starting to see a little bit of that, but um, you know our event this year, uh, once again, no that we're aware of, there was no issues. I mean, everybody's very respectful, and we put a little flyer in the bag that says, "Hey, if you see anybody, it's thank, you. it's a wave, and it's a thank you." You know, and um, we're now hearing that come back. So, um, but at the same time, it's getting harder and harder to permit these events. Um, at eight o'clock on Thursday night before the event, and keep in mind, I've got two hundred linear miles of road and, and that have all have to be marked and cleaned, swept for three days. I swept and, and used a blower to clean off corners and everything. My route got changed. I had to, I had to divert two courses because the community said, we don't want you here. Even though there was no reason whatsoever for our event, those kind of things. Uh, I mean, I had a choice. I was already permitted. I could say the heck with you. I'm doing it. Um, but, I was worried about safety for my riders. I was worried about long-term impact. And so, you know, literally midnight that night, I went out and remapped a course that just veered and took that extra mile and a half in that community off my map, which is a risk, right? Because people download those those Strava courses to their phone. And so we had to communicate that and re-communicate that and stuff. And so I think if people have a better understanding on both sides, um, and more respect and open. I, I, this can clearly be something that will grow. Not just my event, but that Cache Valley is being seen as a cycling community. Um, I, I rode in, in Europe last year, up, up above Florence, so up in Tuscany and things. And those roads have no shoulders. And they're going through little communities of um, wine countries and beautiful uh, vineyards and sunflower country. I mean, it's, this place is beautiful. And everybody coexists you've got trucks that are taking deliveries you got motorcycles you got cars you got cyclists and and it works and it's a beautiful venue and um there's no reason why that can't be the the same here we have more open roads we have better shoulders we have better places to go and climb and ride far less cars and um there shouldn't be conflict there just really shouldn't be so yeah i mean as someone that grew up in the valley I can definitely, you know, as you grow, those friction points will happen. Yeah. But, but in, as you drive around, you notice way more bike lanes. You yeah. Know I mean, there's more shoulder length. The, 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 the infrastructures are being built to support they are. a biking community now. Yeah. So I think as you grow out and extend, the hope is that that continues. And, again, you started with wanting to promote healthy outdoor lifestyles in this great area that we have. So yeah. do you feel like that? Is happening. Yeah, no, I, I know it has. And, and I mean, just I family by family and person by person, you just see it. I mean, even myself and my own, you know, my own family, I just, we're, we're bikers now. And, and the cool thing is too, is we now also have other great mountain bike venues. So, yeah. so now you have people that are, you know, cross training on mountain bikes and road bikes and jumping up green can. We had one guy crash, um, in our event, broke his bike and said, he just called his son came and he said, put my mountain bike on. Cause his, so he did his grand fondo up green Canyon and then came down to the finish line to be there while his buddies came across. I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. You know? So, so I think it, it does kind of grow those things out and, and wow, we've got some great mountain va- bike venues here too. And, and, um, 
And so I, I just think it, you're just going to see more of it. But um, I think I, I really also believe, though, the, the larger events, the ones that are real, really well organized, the ones that try to give back to the community and not just take are going to be the ones that will sustain. That's the way Logan and Jackson has always operated. That's the way we've operated. Cash Century, I think, is a really good, responsible event, and that, that supports a local charity. I mean, just naming a few like that, where, where a lot of part of that logistical planning is how do we make this so we're not just taking, we're also giving back. Like for, it, for, like for us, we, um, we make a very concentrated effort to buy all as many of our supplies from like the local shop. So Newton's store and, and Woodward's country store in Weston and um, uh, Julie's up in, in Lewiston. Like we go and we open up an account and just say, we're buying all our ice from you and anything they need in the support station. And Van Woodward up in Weston was like, I think you're one of my biggest days, you know? Because we'll have them make us 200 sandwiches, and um, I, you know, I think we went through 80 bags of ice out there this year, you know. And uh, um, those poor little scouts, man, they were just going back and forth from his store to the park, just in a wagon, just pulling ice because those riders were hot when they came out of the canyon. And um, and and that's something that a lot of bike. They said we've never seen a bike event actually have big tubs of ice on the on the course. I'm like, are you kidding? I mean, yeah. that's that's a pretty critical thing, you know. So. Um, and I think as long as we just keep doing, uh, making it a cool event for the riders, they'll keep coming back. And the community keeps welcoming them back, and, that, and that's really important. So we touched on this a little bit, but what would you like to see change in the community uh, for the industry to keep growing, not only from a bike perspective, but from an outdoor industry perspective? How do you think the, the community could change, and what would you like to see different? Um, in... in this is tough because I mean this is this is the heart of what you're what you're involved with and um, it, it's helping them understand and see that vision right I mean uh, I don't know if I mentioned it here but like uh, when we were first talking but you know it seems like everybody likes to go camping well you might want to go with an ATV and I might want to go with a mountain bike well we should be able to still find that there like you know uh, your idea of excitement might be taking a boat and going water skiing and I may take a bike and go ride 50 60 miles I can we can do that in the same spot and it just doesn't I don't think it really encroaches on each other and so um, I think that's the thing is recognizing that this is a wonderland for outdoor activity and you know whether you do it all under motor or you do it all under pedal or you do it under because you're hiking and you take your dog for you know a, a run up the canyon um, or you do it with your horses like it's, there's so many great opportunities and I I think part of it is just embracing it, you know, and not saying, well, I only want it for what I want it for, because that's kind of traditionally the way I think it's been, you know, and, and I've seen that. Um, you know who does a great job of this is Moab. I remember first going to Moab and thinking, because one day I wanted a mountain bike, but the other day I wanted to go and rent a motorcycle, because I, I have a background of uh, riding motor, motocross racing, and, and um and I was like, oh, how will the, how will the nature-loving, tree-hugging mountain bikers accept? And they just do. I mean, you, you ride Porcupine Trail or, or LaSalle Mountain Road, and you're, you, are, uh, you see ATVs go by and motorcycles and runners and bikes and e-bike. I mean, you know, and, and it all kind of works. And you go out on, on Slick Rock, right? And you got, mm-hmm. you got four-wheel drives coming down the Slick Rock, going right by bikers, going right by motorcycles, and, and everybody makes it work and um, I think that's why they're seen as being a great outdoor community is there's no like I'm, I'm sure there is if you got there and started peeling the layers back there's like us versus them but it's that's that doesn't make any sense you know it's it's um 
uh, there was a letter the editor came out about cyclists, and I and there was a big roar in the cycling community. We need to come out, and we need to. Com- and I just my plea was no, no, let it go. Now be extra kind, be extra friendly, be extra respectful. Like let that bell ring and ring and just doesn't come back. Don't let's not fight it. Let's let's find a way to over you know do some other things that might make a, a better long term impact. That that's kind of what I'd like to see. I'd like to see both sides go. Oh, I get what you're doing is really cool. I mean, 78-year-old guy pounding 105 miles an hour, or 105 miles, averaging 25 miles an hour, how can you not stand back and go, that is incredible? Yeah. You, whether you do it or you don't, you know, same thing with a 12-year-old punching out their first 50-miler. We had a handful of those do that this year, riding with their parents. And I think that's the one thing that just kind of goes back to, and I saw this with a group in Australia. We went out and visited two of our events, and there's a big issue going on in Australia like about road, road rage and aggression, not just about cyclists, but in general. And cyclists have kind of been pulled into it. And they were talking about that they, they have this big campaign going, like who's on the road? Who is that cyclist? Well, it's your teacher. It's your kid's principal. It's the doctor. It's the nurse. It's the dentist. It's the, the grocer. Like they're, they're not people you don't know. They're people you do know. And that's what's happening here in the Valley is the cross-section of people that are riding they're athletes, they're not athletes, they're big, they're little, they're, they're professionals, they're, they're um, labor, they're students, they're, you know, it's, it's this big combination and that's where it's going to keep going. And I hope people can recognize that, that you see a rider on the road, it's not just some obscure person, it's, it could be your kid's fourth grade teacher. Don't bump them, you know, don't downshift when you go by them. I mean, just recognize they're out there getting their exercise in a way that, that, that helps, you know, helps them. And, and and you wouldn't want them to say the same thing about you ripping in a four-wheeler up the up the, the trail either. I don't think I think that would be wrong as well. So awesome. anyway, I, that, that's philosophy for the day. Oh, but, I love it. Yeah. Love it. I think it's what we're trying to do. So if someone wants to get involved, whether it's a writer, volunteer, sponsor, how do they do that with? Um, they can go to cashgrandfondo.com. That's probably the first place to start. Um, there is a contact us area for volunteers for questions anything like that um i have a section on sponsors and what it what we look for and what we're what we're um and we're really flexible in that area too we like people to be able to 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 be involved in a unique way for them that works best for them and um and then just information on the ride is there um what we do like today our photos just came out like we pay a professional photo photographer to come on on the course and and they shoot pictures of the start line, finish line, people riding, and it's all free. They just, you know, a lot of a lot of events you go back and you're like, oh, I wish I had something to document it. And you go in there, it's like forty dollars for an eight and a half by eleven right. digital photograph, right? You know, and and we just said no, we just we don't. I don't want to nickel and dime the riders. Like like let's let them have them. And a guy named Gary Bird from here in the valley does them, and man, they they turned out really good this year. A lot of just fun fun images. So if somebody wants to see what it's like and see what the support stations are like and you know, the one thing people are like, I'm afraid of spandex. There's no way I can go and put on that tight suit and I'll look silly. <laughs> go through those photos. There's there's every body size in there that you can imagine from super elite riders to people who are trying to get themselves in shape. And there's no, it's a judgment-free kind of an event. I mean, there's, there's, it's a cool thing at the finish line. Um, there were these elite riders out of California and these guys are rock solid, really lean and tall and everything. And 
And um, they were walking over, talking with this this couple that had just come through, and it was their first ride. You could clearly tell, and they were high fiving them. And hey, did you guys get the ice cream? Come here, let me show you. I can't eat ice cream, but I want you to eat it. I want you to see you eating ice cream. My team would kill me if I, you know, I mean, those kind of things. And and you just it it's um it, it it's it's a pretty kind of a cool inviting um, thing. Once you're in the cycling community, you're in, and, and um, uh, so anyway. Awesome. Yep. Thank well, Troy. You. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, you bet, man. Uh, Ray Strector from Crash Can Fondo. Um, loving it. Get yeah. outside. Yeah. Do something. It's a great valley. Appreciate yeah. what you're doing to con- continue to help with that culture, man. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more outdoor stories and content, connect with us on highlandermag.com. Mm-hmm.